This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command Podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. I am the host of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 every single day, 3 to 6 p.m. Used to cover the team on the beat for 106.7 The Fan as well. Logan, of course, played 10 years in the league, six in Washington. And Logan, uh, we have plenty to talk about. Uh, this Whoa. could have been a pretty meaningless we? week, uh, <laughs> but it, it it gets some meaning now that uh, the rookie quarterback, the only quarterback that's going to be under contract in 2023 for this team, or that is currently under contract for this team in 2023, is going to be the starter. Sam Howell does get the nod. Initially, it was going to be Taylor Heineke. Ron Rivera had multiple conversations with folks around the building, including with Taylor, and then ultimately, uh, you know, he's like, eh, let's let's actually start Sam. Uh, yeah. And so what I guess, first of all, before we get into how the decisions made the process, whether that was sound and what that means moving forward and some of the other pieces, including Taylor, who were affected by this. What do you think of the decision itself now that it's been made? Because you were someone who was hesitant to do this. I think also understood why it might ultimately be the right thing. But right. you had you had reservations now that this has been done, like, what do you think of the actual decision to start Sam Howell in week 18 for Washington? Yeah, I think, you know, looking back on, you know, like when when Taylor was going to start, I didn't have a problem with that. I thought that was fine. You know, start Taylor. And then when it was like, oh, Taylor and Sam would play, I thought, you know, that's probably the best situation, right? Let Taylor kind of soften the waters, let Heineke or let Howell get a feel for, you know, what's going on in the game that, you know, hopefully in the second half of that game, they've taken Micah Parsons out. They've taken some of their big defensive pieces out. They've chilled out what they're going to do. And I know people are like, well, you're not getting a true evaluation. And my point to you is if he plays against the starting defense, you're not getting a true evaluation either. Cause he's going to look, he's going to look like he's in deep water and doesn't know how to swim. I, that That's kind of what my gut tells me. I hope he comes and balls out. I hope he breaks. I hope everyone kind of throws this back in my face and was like, Logan, you're an idiot for saying that. But oh, the comments are so ready for that. They are yeah. like unbelievably ready for that. Yes. Yeah, so I, I'm, 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 I'm ready. Like you Howellians yeah. out there, bring it. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but just from what I saw of him in preseason, how little he's practiced with the starting group, I think is another variable here that needs to be considered. Like this is a very good Dallas defense. So that was kind of my thought was like, let him get the second half. He'll have a full half of, of beta from Taylor of like what they're doing, how they're disguising stuff, how they're matching certain formations, all those kind of things. 
and then obviously like things happen, things change, um, which I think probably also makes sense, right? Taylor's going to be a free agent. He doesn't want to get hurt. And the only thing, only bad stuff can happen if you're Taylor. You play badly, um, you know, you get hurt and you mess up your your free agency value this offseason. So I totally get that. But now Sam's going to go in there. Sam's going to go in there behind a rookie offensive guard who hasn't played at all this year and himself. And maybe B-Rob might not play. He has not practiced yet or he didn't practice yesterday. So that is not a really positive situation for him. To, to be successful. And like, again, we'll, we'll, I guess we could kind of preview Dallas's defense. They are sharks in the water when it comes to rushing the passer in recent weeks, they've given up more big plays because the back end coverage has been a little bit loose, but the back end coverage was loose in the beginning of the season too, but they were just able to get home a little bit more frequently. They're still getting after people. They play a lot of five man front. They do a lot of line stunts and picks, and they're really going to challenge any offensive line, but especially one with a new piece in there and Chris Paul. So, Again, and that's still on its third center and a rookie right. quarterback setting the protections. And like, that's the kind of stuff that people I think just take for granted that happens in the NFL. Then they, they don't understand why, Oh, why didn't they pick up that? But it's like, because it's hard yeah. because it's hard to identify pre-snap. And the reason guys like Brady are good at it is because Brady's seen every look that an NFL D coordinator can possibly think up for yep. 20 years. And like Sam Howell literally has none of that. He's never been under center or in the shotgun staring at a live NFL defense, having to figure out who's coming. Right. And that stuff's hard. And so if he could get looks from the sideline uh, of that and on the iPads from that, from Taylor being under center, that would have been helpful, which is why Ron Rivera initially wanted to do that as the best possible situation for Sam. Although there is something to, well, hey, he's got to have his first snap eventually. And I think just get him out there and, and let him experience it. And obviously, you know, obviously there's always an injury factor there. Um, a guy taking extra hits. Um, but guys get hit in the NFL all the time. And sometimes, uh, unfortunately, it, it, it bad things happen. But by and large, they get up. And so yeah. he's going to take some hits. That's part of the game. By the way, when you get the ball out, you get hit a lot too. Um, so yeah. maybe maybe there'll be some of both. Um, but that is the that is the risk, right? Is that he's not he's going to be so confused that he's just not going to be able to operate. And what you're going to get is a guy who just takes a bunch of sacks and you never actually even get to the throwing part of the evaluation because he can't get the ball out. Um, I, mean, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, go like, ahead. it's it's... It's that, but it's also like for the rest of the guys, like you're exposing them to injury as well. When the quarterback is inexperienced, like when you play with a quarterback who doesn't know what's going on, like that's where you get those late throws into Tampa two and the, into the flat and the guy gets smoked in the back or he throws the ball late across the middle and someone gets hit really hard. Right. So again, it doesn't, it doesn't just affect him. It affects the right. offensive linemen. It affects the receivers it affects the defense because they have to take more plays. So, like, it was one of the things, like, I was kind of wringing my hands about the whole him playing thing anyway. But, like, dude has not played a lot this year, right? He hasn't practiced a lot this year. He went through a period, probably six weeks, when Carson was out where he was practicing more. But that's probably on scout team mostly. Like, those are not always your concepts. There's not always a, a great transfer to what you communicate in the huddle or, or your footwork or whatever it is. So his experience with this offense – over the course of the season, I think Craig is probably about 50 plays, you know, and that, and everyone's like, Oh my God, that's, that's coaching malpractice. That's standard operating procedure in the NFL. Right. If you're the third quarterback, you're getting zero reps. 
the fact that he even got some reps is his thing. But um, yeah, I just it, him playing is it, it has it has a ripple effect if it doesn't go well. And right. part of my gut, like I'm just nervous, and I'm a, I'm a naturally conservative person. You know this, Craig. Like I would yeah, when it comes to, to football, have, you are an extremely conservative person. I would have liked to have managed my variables here a little bit better. Like everyone's like, oh, it's not, it's, 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 he's going to get his first start no matter what. Yeah, he is. But at, at some point it'll be in a game that matters and something I have no control over. I have maximum control over this. I'm the head coach. I can literally do whatever I want. This game doesn't mean anything. So if I want to put this kid in the best position to be successful, I'm going to do that. I'm going to put it, I'm going to put him in a situation where he can kind of operate and function in a way where I can get even an evaluation I, and I'm and I'm not doing a disservice to the rest of the team. And that's what I felt like Ron was going to do with the Taylor thing. Obviously, it doesn't go that way, and they're going to have to get Sam ready, and hopefully they can get him ready. But just think about this, man. He is a college player coming to the NFL who doesn't understand the NFL speed on Sundays, and he will not ha- take a full-speed rep practice. He will not take a, a full-speed rep in practice this whole week. It'll be all walkthrough. Right. So how ready is he going to be? Well... I guess the the question would be like, why are you so like not so convinced? Because I know it's it's just like nervousness. But like, yeah. what's the concern that it's gonna go poor? Like, because the the alternative is, well, uh, actually, he's played a he lot balls. of college football. He like he played for. I mean, I mean, even something in the middle, right? Like, it just doesn't. It's not an epic disaster, yeah. right? He yeah. played four years of college football um, in the ACC, which is certainly not even the SEC, but and certainly not the NFL, but it's it's major college football. Right. It's four year starter. Um, played against Clemson every year, which is as close to an NFL team as you'll get in college. That's not named Alabama. Um, he did like, he had a mixed bag in the preseason. I know you're, I actually want to revisit his preseason in a second because I feel like a lot of people thought he played really well because he was generally productive. Um, but the process I know was not good and was concerning for some of the reasons that you are concerned now, but that was also a long time ago. He has seen film. He seems like a pretty sharp kid. Um, he's got a lot of physical tools. He also has some escapability. Um, yep. So if things break down, he can run. Like there are reasons to think that it's not going to be a dumpster fire. So why are you so concerned that it and, and slash out like how much of this is you laying out that it could go badly versus yeah. a concern that it yes no this is I'm predicting this is going to go badly. So I don't like doing predictions, but I, I just go on on past history, right? Like how many times has a fifth round rookie come in and played well? Like I can't think of any. Sure, there's not a it's lot. A, I mean, look, people obviously not, talk about a, Brock Purdy in San Francisco this year. Um, and, I, and I'll say that situation to me—it's so unique because it's Kyle. It, it's unique because it's Kyle. It's unique because the offense. It's unique because of how Kyle calls plays. And if you, again, like one of the things about this Scott offense is it is is it's challenging. I mean, like any NFL offense, it is challenging to kind of manage and execute at a high level. And Scott is a guy who kind of calls the offense. He calls his plays and expects the the kind of base concepts to get you open. He's not like actively scheming up throws. And there is a school of thought that supports that, right? Get guys really comfortable with the base offense. If they're really comfortable with the base offense, they'll know what to adjust to multiple coverages, right? I agree with that, right? But Kyle kind of takes that responsibility out of the quarterback's hands because he says, I will scheme up big plays for you. I will scheme up throws for you, and you will throw the ball ball here when I tell you to throw it here. Just don't make a mistake on the times in between where I tell you to throw it here, right? And so that's not what he's getting. And, 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 and even in the scenario I just described, 
like you need a familiarity with the offense to execute it at that level. And so for Sam, like he doesn't have a ton of familiarity. And the other thing that the preseason stuff makes me a little nervous because it's like classic stuff that gets young quarterbacks in trouble. And what I mean by that is it's just being a little off schedule. And everyone thinks, oh, that's really high value add. Like look at Patrick Mahomes, look at Josh Allen. And it is a value add, but they do enough on schedule stuff to insulate them when they do go off schedule. I think everything Sam did in, in the preseason outside of the throw to Diami in the Baltimore game was off schedule, right? So it's he's holding the ball a little bit long. His hitch, he's taking two hitches when he should take one. He's taking three hitches when he should take two. And against the four, again, in the preseason, you can live with that, right? Against college all-stars that are not really NFL players. Right. And some of those guys aren't even NFL players. Like he's working with the third group, like, I've been in the third group. That group usually gets cut, right? Like I'm, I've been there. It's tough. Get cut. So he's playing against guys that might not be even in the league anymore, right? And so you can get away with some of that stuff against an NFL pass rush, like especially like the Dallas Cowboys. Those mistakes just become magnified, right? Him coming back to the dig really late in the down, A, I don't think it'll be there because I think the rush is going to be there, but – that window is going to be extremely tight. And so when he tries to make that throw, that's going to be a tough throw, right? When you leave that go ball against Carolina inside and the safety drops it two plays in a row, like that's an interception against a starting NFL defense. Right. And I'm not saying he can't make plays because he did make plays. And that's the thing that gets me excited. Like everyone's like, Logan, you seem so down. And I'm I'm just worried for the kid. I'm worried for him is really what I'm – like That that's where this comes from. It's just concern about him. I want to see him because he is – incredibly right. talented he's got right. the arm he's got the release he's got the athleticism that's there it's just the stuff he showed me makes me think he's farther away he's not malik willis far but he's farther than people think and i think so, that's what gets me nervous here's the list of rookie quarterbacks who have played in 2022 so far oh, let's hear it i'm excited um bryce perkins has played a little bit for la um, okay. It obviously did not go well. They traded for Baker Mayfield, or they they acquired Baker Mayfield and put an end to that experiment. Um, Skylar Thompson's gotten about seventy five attempts for Miami so far this year. He's played all right, yeah. um, not particularly good. Um, there's a third stringer for the reason, but he's he's gotten in there multiple times. Uh, actually, in six games he's played. Um, Bailey Zappi had that pretty ridiculous run for New England. What was yes. like? Where? How did you have? Let's go Zappi versus Howell coming out. Like, oh, what are I the had, differences in those those dudes? I didn't like Zappy really at all. I mean, I, I liked his process, but he's like the other way. He's like, um, like footwork's good, high IQ, but like a little bit of a deliberate release, and then the ball velocity is not there. And yeah. I was like, the the kind of fundamental stuff was really muddy, but the tools are really high. So I put Howell ahead of him because. But I, if you had to play, if you had to play one as a rookie, you would have said play Zappy. I would have said, uh, in terms of managing a game, I think Zappy gives you a better game manager because he's really smart. He's been in a couple different offenses, and you could just tell he like his like that's the other thing with quarterbacks. One thing I look for in the evaluation process is how they anticipate throws because that to me is one of the best things that translates to NFL production is just anticipating throws. And usually in college football, the guys with the weaker arms have better anticipations, right? So like right. Kenny Pickett, for example, was very good at anticipating throws, but partially because his arm strength was not very good. Malik Willis, by comparison, has an absolute cannon, 
doesn't have to anticipate anything because the ball just teleports where he wants it to go. Kind of like Cam Newton, right? But right. those guys, that type of guy, Desmond Ritter, good anticipation. His accuracy was terrible, right? That was the, that was his thing, right? So Sam, I felt like lacked elite, like lacked even good anticipation because he didn't have to in the Carolina offense, and his right. accuracy wasn't great. Bailey Zappi had really good accuracy and really good anticipation, and so I think that's where the distinction comes in. Obviously, from a tools development standpoint, like Sam Howell is your guy. He's got what you want. But in terms right. of guy that is probably going to come in and play pretty good right away in an NFL offense, probably Bailey Zappi because anticipation and accuracy was was very high for him. So Zappi played four games. He's got the best like per game numbers of any of the rookies. Uh, got 195 yards per game, five touchdowns, three picks, a quarterback rating over 100. Um, oh, I guess outside of Brock Purdy, although it depends on which numbers you look at. Right. Pickett's played in 12 games, 64% completion percentage, uh, six touchdowns and nine picks. He had that one really bad pick game where he had a yeah. bunch of them go off other uh, guys' hands. Um, 76 quarterback rating. Uh, Willis has been, you know, 50% completion percentage, generally awful. Uh, Ritter now has played three games. He's sitting about 63%. Uh, he somehow has no touchdowns, no picks on the year. That's an interesting comp for Sam, I think. Is Ritter? Yes, because the same kind of holes, like they're in different spots, obviously, but there were some of the same question marks. Like his accuracy wasn't very good. His fundamentals with his footwork weren't very good. And I think when you look at that game plan, which is heavy play action, limit the drop back, make the decisions easy, give clean pockets, I would be very confident that Sam would do well in that situation just because it's it's easier. But like we've talked about, when Carson came in, we were expecting uh, Scott and the offensive staff to do something similar, and they didn't. If they can kind of abide by this play-action pass, insulate the quarterback, don't put a lot on his plate, I feel better. And I think that's another reason why I get nervous is just this offensive staff, for whatever reason, has not been overly anxious when a new quarterback comes in to kind of do that. And I know there's, there's a small sample size. It's like two games, like with Carson at the beginning of the year and Carson now. But that, again, makes me a little bit that, – that's another reason I'm unsettled because I'm not sure that they're going to be like, we need to really protect him from himself here, um, especially if Brian Robinson doesn't play. Right. Uh, will they just run – Jonathan Williams a ton in the way that they should run or should have run Robinson yeah, last week. Right. And, and that's the weird thing about last week. When you look at the final numbers, like they actually did run a ton. Um, there was like 37 carries or something like that to 24 right. pass attempts, but it just didn't feel that way. Like the game, the game flow was just very, very odd. Well, I also, to that point, like I know we're getting a little sidetracked, but one of the things that they, when they do run the ball well, or when they had run the ball well, is they had these play action pass chunks off of it. Right. None of those came in this game. So there was never like this moment where you felt like the offense was moving or had any inertia. It was very right. three yards, four yards, three yards. And it was just this slog because the passing game wasn't finding these explosive plays uh, in a way that they have, you know, like second half of New York, first half of the Atlanta game, you know, first New York Giants game, those types of environments, which is good processed offense. So I think that's why it felt that way. Uh, and then the last one uh, of 
the rookies who have played any kind of meaningful snap is Brock Purdy, obviously. Um, Anthony Brown has played a couple of snaps in Baltimore. He's got five pass attempts. Corral and Davis Cheek uh, never made it on the field in a meaningful way for Carolina. But for Purdy, he's got about 150 yards a game. He's got the highest rating at 101.4. He's got 10 touchdowns to four picks. So he's probably had the best year. Um, Zappi right right behind him, statistically speaking. Uh, The picket, I think, has been very impressive. And obviously, Pittsburgh's been winning uh, since he's been out there and somehow Mike Tomlin's got that team at 500 going back into week 18 uh, because he always has his teams at 500 because he's a miracle worker. Yeah. Um, Last thing on kind of this part of the conversation. What do you think about how Ron went about making this decision? Clearly getting input from other folks in the building, um, deciding one thing and that to the point that like, he or someone close to him told Jeremy Fowler from ESPN and it got reported uh, and then having to circle back and be like, actually we're doing something else. Um, What do you think of the process of that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I I guess if I was making the decision, I'm not going to tell anybody like that. I, you know, like I'm not going to have anybody report on it until I've finalized my process, which seemed like the final step was talking to guys on the team. And, um, you know, like I just would have waited. That's yeah. my only thought. Re- reply to that text instead of with going to start Taylor Purdy uh, or uh, Howell off the bench uh, with uh, haven't decided yet. Still got to talk to some guys. Yeah. And I think that that Fine. I, I mean, because because, again, like that, if you work through the process, like uh, that was my process. If you're going to start Howell, Taylor should start. But then if I talk to Taylor and Taylor's like, I'd really prefer not to or let Sam start or whatever the dialogue was. I don't know what it was. And, and it you talk to more people and it becomes more obvious and you're like, okay, well then I, then, 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 then the alchemy, the math of it changes. And so that, I think that's totally fair. Uh, but just sit on it until you made the final decision, I guess we only thought. Yeah. I would say this, um, obviously you gotta, you wish, and I'm sure Ron wishes he had, he had answered that text or however, you know, whether it's Ron or whoever else yeah, uh, I mean, talked to maybe, you know, Fowler's talking to Scott, talking to Zampezi, who knows? I don't know who Jeremy Fowler's sources are, uh, within the Washington commanders, but whoever, whoever responded to that, just, just hold your horses, hold your water. Fine. I would say this though. Um, and I think this is an important point, uh, that I wanted to run by you. Cause I, I think it's important. You'll be able to tell me as, as someone who's been in a locker room, um, both as a young player and then ultimately as like an, an eight, nine-year vet um i like the fact that he does not rule the team as a dictatorship uh i think a lot of times coaches are glorified for like he's the head coach he made the decision you know man stuff and it's like (laughs) actually i think making sure that you have an open open flow of conversation with leadership on the team is an important thing of not just keeping the locker room but like keeping the engagement and having players feel heard and not not letting the the players run the team over you but like having them be involved having it be a partnership and i think that's ultimately a good and healthy thing and it's something that clearly ron has done well enough to earn a lot of respect uh in in the locker room where most guys tend to like him from what i understand yeah um but i actually i really like that and i and i want to you know while underscoring that the the public revelation element of it was unnecessarily messy the process behind the scenes, I think, was good. I think so, too. And, like, most teams that I played for, all teams that I played for, had some type of, like, leadership group yeah. of players that, you know, Ron or, you know, Dan when I was in Atlanta or Kyle when I was in San Francisco, he could go talk to me like, hey, 
you know, what do you think about X, Y, Z? And it's not that the team is telling him what to do. It's just giving him information about the pulse of the locker room. And, you know, I always found it interesting that sometimes the that leadership group had a different motivation than the rest of the team. But mm-hmm. it is it is a demographic of people that's representative of the team, much like our local politicians, right? And they would tell him what they thought, and then he would take that information and then make a decision. So, and, you know, how much he weighs that is probably coach-dependent, situation-dependent, item-dependent, all those different things. But I do think it goes a long way from an optics standpoint just to be like, you know, hey, talk to – you know, whoever, Ryan Kerrigan about this when I was here in Washington. Talk to Ryan about it. This is what he said, you know, and I think that's good insight or, you know, like that kind of thing. So I, I think it's very – it's it's becoming more common. I think it's good. I think players should have a say. I think it's a good way to make sure you keep the locker room engaged, absolutely. Uh, and then Taylor's role in this, um, whether it was altruistic or, like, selfish, either way, it's Taylor gets to come out of this yeah. and just be like – yeah, I don't, I don't really need to play. Um, right. Go start Sam. Um, right. And the motivation, I mean, you could have both. Like we've all been in situations where yeah, like, like it's the not... best thing for someone else is also the best thing for me. And that makes it a really easy decision. Right. It's like a pretty easy conversation. Hey, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't need this. Uh, go ahead and go ahead and start Sam. He deserves it. I, I see you, Ron. Uh, <laughs> you know, whatever version of that conversation and Ron, you know, I will give Ron this credit, like at the podium, at least publicly, he was, he, he made Taylor sound like, uh, a great teammate and, and all that stuff. And that's all we've ever heard about yeah, Taylor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you are Taylor Heineke in this situation and like your coach is coming to you like, Hey, um, we're going to start you this weekend after he doesn't start you in the meaningful game last weekend, considering all Taylor has done for this franchise. Um, this is a business at the end of the day. And I understand this is hard and I don't know like where necessarily along the way until obviously last weekend, clearly they could have made a different decision. But it does, like, if I'm Taylor, I probably would feel a little hurt about, uh, about how this all went down. And it's like, oh, so you're not, now you're going to come back to me. And just to think of how Taylor and Ron have been kind of tied going back to their time in Carolina. And obviously that is via Scott, who had Taylor first in Minnesota. It's just kind of interesting to me how that relationship, and like, I will admit, this is a little talk radio soap opera-y compared to like nuts and bolts football. But at the end of the day, the nuts and bolts football is played by human beings. And to me, this changes fundamentally Taylor's relationship with Ron and this franchise moving forward. And if I'm him, I'm probably ready to leave now where maybe a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there's a way this went down where I could see myself coming back as the backup again and like continuing to make Washington my long-term home. Like if I'm him, I'm, I'm good after the season. I, I want a fresh start somewhere else. Right. And I don't, so I've been, uh, and I can only speak on my experience with regards mm-hmm. to this stuff, right? I can't. So right. I appreciate your experience. I have never been in a situation as an NFL player. Well, frankly, for anything. Right. So there's been a couple of times where I've been the backup and the starter gets hurt, right? Or the starter misses time or I get, or the starter gets benched, but there's always this, this kind of unspoken rule when I would play that until someone better came back, I was going to be the starter, right? So like there was a time where I was in San Francisco and I was cut from the team in San Francisco multiple times for roster reasons. And I actually moved back to my house and someone got hurt. And then they flew me back out and I re-signed with the team and played. But when that guy got healthy, like I went back to being the two guy. Like that was just the thing, right? That was just how it went, mm-hmm. right? And um, and I do think that if Taylor, again, this might sound harsh and I don't want to sound harsh, but if Taylor was hurt by that, right? 
This is a guy you gave $28 million to, right? This is a guy that obviously they brought in to play a lot of football. Like he, at the beginning of the year, he said as much, he knew the score. Sure. And I think keeping an awareness of that is important. And if you had kept winning and if you had handled your business, like maybe you would still be playing. That's, that's always tough to swallow, but I don't know how you fault Ron for that necessarily or making that decision. If I'm, if I'm in Taylor's shoes, like it, does it hurt? Yes. But logically does it make sense? And do you have to understand that that's how the, the game goes? Yes. And again, that's coming from a guy who's I've been in that situation and I've had to build up a, a callus to that type of stuff. Right. Just know, like you have to know where you fit. Yeah. And that that's a hurtful thing. Like I remember in uh, 2013, like I basically got benched for or 2014. I basically got benched for Niles Paul and I had been starting and that's a hurtful thing, but like the role switched. And then when Niles got hurt, I became the starter. And then, you know what I'm saying? When Jordan gets yeah. healthy, I'm the second guy again. And it's different for quarterbacks. I get that. Right. But- well, and I think the other thing too, is like, you know, you have to keep the score in mind. The score changed. Like they were two and four and he yep. got them back into playoff contention and then in the most important game of the season, when the other guy hasn't played at all since yeah. they were two and four, you went back to him and he was terrible. And by the way, you feel like you got a pretty quick hook against San Francisco the week before. And in a game where he was playing terrible, you didn't quick hook him. You know, you, you, and, and that's, well, I think I, that's so part I'll, of it. Like, I, I, I get it. I just, I'll wrap up quickly by saying yeah. this. Like, I get what you're saying. And like, on a business level, I get it. And it's, I also was with you in saying that, like, I didn't mind them going back to Carson. Right. But with hindsight being what it is, like, I think that was a mistake. I think that Taylor, like, if I'm in Taylor's shoes, I'm like, I know I would have been better than that. And then for you to have the audacity to come back to me to be the sacrificial lamb for Sam Howell now, like, screw you guys. It's I, like, honestly, maybe that makes you a better person than me, but that's how I would feel. And I right. get how Taylor feels that way. And again, like, I have... And I'm not saying he does, but I get it. No, but like, like I had to build, I had to build an understanding of that. You know what I mean? And like, I think Taylor has an understanding of that. And I, I think everyone says, oh, it's, it was a quick hook against San Fran. But, I mean, we were talking about that after the first New York game. We were talking about that through the bye, through the second New York game. There was talk about him getting benched in that game, right? So it was there. The writing was on the wall. Like, it wasn't like, oh, quick hook. It was like mm-hmm. three weeks of stuff yeah. talking about it, right? So that yeah. was that was there. And, and, again, you know, I understand if Taylor's upset. I totally get it. You know, I've seen guys hold grudges about stuff and, and not kind of take this – I get it, roll. That's fine. Um, and I think the other thing that's important to talk about here is if I'm Ron, and this might get me crushed, but I don't know if I want Taylor back here. No, I agree um, with this. I think I know what you're about to say. Because he's like a celebrity backup. And I don't like celebrity backups kind of anyway. Like Tim Tebow, example one. Like I talked to Grant Paulson about this yesterday. And I didn't, I don't think I realized the level Taylor Heineke had achieved, but he was saying at the game, they're like chanting Taylor's name, yeah. you know, after the first interception. And like, you just can't have that in the building. And so it might be mutually beneficial for both of them to go their separate ways. Um, but if I'm Taylor, like, and they wanted me back and they're paying me the most money, I'm coming back. Like you better believe it. If, if money talks and they want me back, I'll be back. But again, I'm not Taylor and he's got to make that on his own. Yeah, there. no, I agree with that. And the idea that is long, like celebrity status or just like, cause of the kind of the legend of Heineke, the playoff game, the whole yeah. thing, or just like, Hey, that guy's played at a level enough to earn some respect. And it's like, especially if I'm starting a rookie, I don't want fans clamoring for the backup who right. might be better by the way, for weeks one through whatever last next yeah. year. 
then a rookie who needs to get those reps and learn, um, which I realize is somewhat antithetical to what we were talking about earlier with Howell, but like you get the right. point. Um, you know, you, you I, I agree with that. Um, and that's sometimes everybody can be kind of half right or even fully right and have valid reasons and disagreements. And um, the one thing I will say certainly that Taylor will do is be a great backup yeah. um, to Sam this week. Like he will help Sam prepare because um, he's a pro and and he'll be a pro probably somewhere else next year and uh he might even get a decent chunk of change to do that. hopefully and, yeah hope yeah, so you know if i'm him i'm looking at a place like atlanta to go back up a guy like desmond ritter and i'm like yeah that's that sounds great yeah. to me. i mean um, if they don't draft somebody desmond ritter might be the backup next year for them you know they're picking pretty high so we'll yeah, see what happens that's true too 